I tell you all the time how much I like on demand. Let me tell you why. Because I like getting my food when I like it. I just am like that. I like to go to the menu and say, I want this and not that. So this is one of those moments when you've chosen to be with us and we're honored to have you with us. So open up the Word of God. Join me today as I take you on a journey that will change your life and lift your spirit and give you vision for your future. God's best will come your way. Enjoy today's message. Repeat the top with me, please. Say, dreaming an impossible dream. And this season of your life. Imagine if somebody looked at you and said these words. You're dreaming an impossible dream. You will never, ever achieve fill in the blanks. You'll never get to the financial goals you set. You will never have a love relationship. You will never, ever have a college degree. It's impossible. Imagine if someone said that to you. If you heard that in your ear and someone said, man. Are you telling me that I will never, ever dream? The graphic you see is a guy looking out over the world almost and this, with this classic look on his, well, you can't see his face. You see the back of his head. And he's looking out. And as he's looking out, this is a dream. Imagine telling that guy, you'll never, you'll never receive it. Whatever you're dreaming, whatever you're thinking will never happen. First thing you'd say is, well, you have some nerve to tell me that, right? But let's just turn it around a little bit. Let's pretend that Kansas City needed another quarterback. He couldn't make it to the game. And, and then they called me. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? You're laughing. See, that's not, I could be offended, see. And I told you that I was going to join the game. Some of you said, well, that's one Super Bowl gone. <laughs> that's Rick, that's an impossible dream. See, now you can tell me that. But what I told you, said, well, you know, the NBA called me and said they needed a power forward. And I told you I was going to join the NBA and start playing this week. See, you would say you're dreaming the impossible dream. That phone call is not coming to you. Notice how clear you are about me. <laughs> the question is, are you clear about you? Are you dreaming something that is about that impossible? Because at this season, and that would be part of your reason. You said, Pastor Rick, you're past that season. You know, at 61, they're not going to call you to play in the NBA <laughs> or the NFL or any other major sport. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a put down. It's just the truth about me understanding the season I'm in. That's not a dream for me. That's a dream for a younger guy in a lot better shape with a whole different physical makeup. That's just the truth. Are you dreaming something that's impossible? God will never be able to bring a man into your life with your attitude. There's no man, whoever he is. I mean, he could be from Asia, Africa, the whole planet. There is no man who would want to be cussed out by you when you're mad. There's no, there is no woman. Say amen, somebody. Amen. There is no woman. There is no man. There is no person. There's no job that's going to pay you $100,000 to not show up. To have an attitude when you're asked about a project. You're dreaming an impossible dream. That will never, ever, ever come true. You can't be healthy because you eat like this. As long as you eat this way, 
you're never going to get rid of, your sugar's never going down. Eating a pound cake a day, it will never go down. It's never going to change. You're never going to lose any weight. You're never, this is an impossible dream. And so what's amazing is, and we'll pick up on this theme next month, because I want to talk about, more about this, this whole idea of, of embracing the season you're in and coming to facts. If you're dreaming, you've got to, you've got to say, this is the truth about my life. And so in the, in the study today, we're going to plow through and talk about that whole thing a little bit. And so the, remember, the, the question for the year is, how do you dream again? Say it with me, please. Come on. How do you dream again? Every year I answer one question. So the question this year is, how do you dream again? The theme is dreaming again. So the, the question is, well, how do you do that? Well, there are two things we've said so far. First of all, you've got to develop a strategy. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Develop a strategy. You've got to have a strategy. I'm, <laughs> what's my strategy? Uh, and, and, and I have to remember to stick with that strategy. Know what you will and will not do. Be clear. This is my strategy. Number two, grow up and be mature. That's what this month is about. If you're going to dream again, you've got you to be a big boy, a big girl. There's no way you're going to get to where you want to get in life. Some opportunities are only for the mature. Some opportunities are never going to happen for people who are just immature. And that's just important. So do you know people that have dreams that will never come true? Have you matured enough in this, in this season of your life to have your dream? Think about that for a minute. You have a financial dream, but have you matured enough to have that dream? I fight that all the time. I ask myself daily, are you clear? There's a text in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, where this conversation of maturity is discussed. The author of Hebrews is the mystery to most people. Some attribute it to Paul, but for the sake of this conversation, let's call it Paul for just conversation. But Matthew, Hebrews, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 12. New King James says, For though this by this time you ought to be teachers, at this time in your life, he says, you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. When you should have been a teacher, now you need somebody to teach you again the principles of the oracles of God, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. What is he? A babe. But solid food, solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now let me switch versions and go to chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going to go to the New Living Translation. It doesn't say it in your, in your notes, and I apologize for that, but... Now I'm switching versions on you. Verse 1 says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to, be, to start over again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in, on, in God. Verse 2 of chapter 6 of Hebrews. You don't need further instruction about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further our what? Understanding. Now, pause for a second. If you put all that together from chapter 5, verse 12, down to chapter 6, verse, uh, really, I started stopped at verse 3. But you, I'm, later on throughout the month, I'm going to go all the way to chapter 6, verse 12. But I, I want you to see between chapter 5, verse 12, and chapter 6, verse 3, there's a conversation about maturity. The, the real message in this area of the Bible is grow up. That's the bottom line. And there are five signs of immaturity that can impact your 
dream that he mentions. Number one, immature people are often behind schedule. Can you read that with me, please? Come on. Immature people are often behind schedule. Verse, chapter 5, verse 12 says, you ought to be teachers by now, but you need somebody to teach you. Secondly, he says, immature people repeat basic lessons over and over again. They go back to the same classes over and over again. Thirdly, immature people can't digest solid food, chapter 5, verse 12 says. They can't handle meaty conversations. You have to give them milk. You have to break everything down because they get offended. You have to walk on eggshells. You can't just say, that's not acceptable. You can't just say you don't look good in that. You can't just say the truth. It's hard sometimes for them to digest stuff. And I want to say to you, one of my friends said something that was so profound, and I, I, just, I thought it was just a monumental comment. He said, Ricky Temple, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to give it to me with the hot sauce. Don't edit it. Don't water it down. And he went to ask me this question. It was profound. It was about his career, his future, and some of the things that he was doing. And he said, I want to know your opinion. And, and there, there's something about being the kind of person that can have that kind of conversation. Because sometimes that's the problem. If I can say this, especially with religious people, you, you have this inability to hear, it's not the devil, it's you. Just you by yourself. It's hard to hear. Pastor, you talk too long. Don't worry, I'm going to finish it, man. Oh, yeah. It's a sermon's too long. I, I, I lose you after a few minutes. I don't know what the main point is. I, I don't, I, flipping the verses all around, I get lost. Zechariah chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 9. Zechariah, I weigh you. I hold on for a second. So you just get frustrated. Just listen. I mean... I don't mind you asking for money, but what are we doing? I, I, I just don't. There are questions I have. There are things that people don't understand. And there are times that we, we can't hear this approach doesn't work. This approach doesn't work. It's hard to digest. And I'm telling you, God, oh, man, I'm seeing that in my life. I can't wait till next month. I am so aware that I am going through this process in my life right now. I must digest the truth about our future, what's smart, what's not smart, what wasn't smart, what we thought was smart, what's, we're smarter now. What's the truth? If I, if I have a hard time with truth, every month we have um, someone review our books outside of our office. So we have our own in-house audit process, and then we have an outside company look at it, and, they, and then we have an audit coming up in a few months. It's powerful to have. And then, you know, if you're in relationship with banks, they want to see your financials every quarter, I think it is, right? And, and you just, you know, okay, so they're looking at your money, they're talking to you, and they give an opinion. <clears throat> you have ratios you have to meet. You have guidelines you have to meet. You have covenants you agree to. We loan you this million dollars, you're going to do this. You're not going to get below this amount of money in your account. You're going to do this. There are certain rules you live by. Can you handle those solid conversations and say, you guys are a little bit out of sync? Or your revenues should be higher or you have to watch your spending. How do you handle those moments of honest conversation? Is anybody allowed to talk to you? Churches don't like that. But it's good. In the long run, it helps you grow and mature. There's a big word. Some things we do are immature. And sometimes God will put guardrails around you to save you from yourself.
this country. <laughs> God help us. Whew, wow. I'm sorry. Off track, off subject, I'll go back in a second. If you took your credit card and you took one year, no, I'm sorry, two years, I'm sorry, no, three years, no, I'm sorry, four years, I'm sorry, five years, I'm sorry, six years of your income, and you got a credit limit that was six years of your income. Talk to me, somebody. Seven years of your income, almost. And you are going up almost a half a year every year of your income. Raising your debt limit so you can keep on charging and looking like you're prosperous. Talk to me, somebody. At some point in the future, when you take in $3.4 trillion thereabout, and you spend $4.7 trillion at some point down the road when you're paying almost a half a billion dollars a year in interest. At some point down the road, the creditor will call upon you. Come on, say amen. Do you hear me? Okay, I'm back on track. You look prosperous, but your prosperity is fueled by debt. And, and, if, and, and there's, a, there's a point in your life when you have to say that's not mature. You can argue, get your, but I don't care how you do it. You get any economist you want. You're spending more than you take in, and you're several years in debt. Twenty-two trillion. You're, 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 sp- you're only taking three point five or so trillion, four trillion a year. You don't. You can't keep spending your annual income half. Your, you can't keep doing that and not have a long-term challenge. And see, for religious people, you just don't want to hear all that. You just get all lost in. But that's digesting solid food, not milk. Can't keep borrowing from the retirement fund, from Social Security, and not paying it back. You can't keep keep doing that and not have a price you pay. Our church, you can't, you can't, you just can't, you can't, you can't. One more time, you can't make a difference in the community if you're broke. You can't, you can't. You just can't. Your house is divided. You cannot succeed as a family if you keep fighting each other. You just can't. That's solid food. Imagine someone looking at your family saying, this family will fail. This family will fail. This family will absolutely not succeed. The long-term outcome for this family is poverty and sickness and eventually a sad death because this family will not change. The reality is amazing. 70% of young people leave the church at 16. Help me not be concerned about that. Why are we still focusing on things that don't target them? How would we not care that a lot of these kids that are in prison can't read? 70 to 80% of them can't read. Do you know why they're in jail? Well, there you go. Let's start with the reading problem. Let's start with the academic challenges. Let's start with the fact that that the answer is not locking them up. The answer is not the answer is being mature and saying, we have a problem. We have a problem. One more time. We have a problem and we need to fix it. Can I give God a big hand clap and say amen to that? We've got a problem. <clears throat> Man. This brings me to number four on our list. You ready? Five signs of immaturity. Number one, immature people are behind schedule. Immature people repeat uh, basic lessons over and over again. They di- can't digest solid food and they're, they, they're unskilled. 
unskilled in what is right. It says unskilled in the word, but don't think of a Bible because they didn't really have a Bible like we do. In chapter 5, verse um, 12, uh, 13, it really is talking about the fact that they just didn't know how to live. Life is about skill. Living is about following certain guidelines, learning how to function. And he says to these folks, he said, you know, you guys are unskilled. Then he closes and says this. Again, immature people keep starting over and over again. Chapter 6, verse 1, they keep going back to the elementary principles. He says the same thing he said earlier for double emphasis. A, you, you, you're in elementary school. You're going back to the first grade, the second grade, the third grade. You're still arguing about baptism and water baptism. You're still arguing about the basic stuff. You're still sitting down and having long debates about stuff and not moving on to the more important issues in your life. And there's something about doing that. <clears throat> so here's a couple of three tough questions for you to think about. Number one, are, 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 are we, are you behind schedule? Are you still stuck in a place that you shouldn't be in? Should you be further along? Number two, are you, are we able to digest mature instructions or solid food? Can you, can you digest it as a church? Can we digest it as a church? Are we able? Are you able? Are we unskilled? It's, it's so easy to be unskilled, which brings me to seven things that, ha- that impact my dream. Seven things that I think have impacted my ability to dream as a person. And I thought you might find them fascinating. Number one, how I manage my temperament. Say that with me, please. Come on. How I manage my temperament. Am I in control? am Am I able to be regulated? Number two, how I manage resources. My time and my money. How I manage that. Number three, how I manage my relationships. Can I get along with people? How I manage my decisions. How do I make them? How I manage my health. I'm sorry for repeating myself. How I manage my thoughts. How I manage how I think in my head, how, do I, how I manage the truth. If I don't hear this message, the truth is I will be immature and not know it. The whole conversation in the book of Hebrews is about a group of people who were slipping into false doctrine. And they were getting away from the basics of Christ. Is that you? Would you say you're growing or would you say you're not growing? What would you say? Could that be the reason why it's hard for you to be reached? Would that be the reason why God would look at you? And here's this, imagine this for a second. He looks at you and he says, this is going to take 40 years. That's what he said about Moses. Moses, 40 years old, he killed the guy, remember, had to run. Took 40 years. Imagine looking at a man saying, it's going to take 25 years. That's what happened to Abraham. 25 years. Imagine when Jesus was born, God said, eh, it's going to take 30 years before I can even start. 30 years before Peter's ready, 30 years before the disciples are ready, 30 years. For them to mature to the place where they can have the dream. How long will it take for you to mature to the place where God can step into your life and bring revival? How long will it take? How open are you to allowing him into your life Or do you say to yourself, God will work it out. 
Let me help you with that. No, he won't. He gave you the wheel. He gave you the car. He gave you the life. He won't work out this church's issues unless we put our hands to the wheel and try. If we don't have a passion to change, nothing's going to change. You know, my biggest challenge is getting up in the morning and saying, who do you want to be, Ricky Temple? Who do you want to be, dude? What are, you, what are you going to do? Do you want to go to school? Go. If you don't want to go, what kind of grades do you want to make? It's not my decision. It's your decision. This is not my decision. This is your decision. How do you want to look? It's your decision. You want to run out the door tomorrow or leave, leave calmly, drive out like a sane person who's sane, don't speed, get to where you're going? What do you want to be? What kind of people can I bring in your life? Can I bring people in your life that will challenge you or only people that go along with you? What do you want to be? You want to look good or be good? What do you want? That is not, listen to me, God's decision. That's yours. And so today, I want you to pray with me. Father, I pray for everyone in this room and everyone who's watching, who's heard this message. And they are thinking through, in a different way, their future their life. They're deciding right now what they want to be, who they want to be, how they want to live, what they want their outcome to be. I ask you in Jesus' name to bring healing and grace to every heart and every mind. And I ask you in Jesus' name to bring deliverance and strength. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor Rick, I realize that my life needs a tune-up. What you said spoke to me. In these 20 minutes, my, I'm clear that what you said about growing up, being mature, I need to decide. I'm not walking with God. That's the first thing I need to decide. I need to be honest about that. And so I want you to pray for me that when I leave this place, I would have made a mature decision to give my life to Jesus for real. I'm not going to be perfect overnight, but I realize that when I look in the mirror, I want to see a different person. I want a relationship with God that's genuine. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, just raise your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. Just raise your hand. Let me see who I'm praying for. I see you. Where are you? Raise your hand so I can see. I see one. I see two. I see three. I see four. I see more. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Father, I pray for all who raise their hands and many who raise their hearts. May this be the moment that Jesus transforms them. It's simply saying, I acknowledge my need for you. And I surrender my life to you and invite you to make the difference in my life. I get it. And I don't want to be hard to reach like some people are. I want you to have free access to talk to me to guide me, to show me, to help me. In Jesus' name. And I want you to stand with me. We're about to go home. Sometimes in life, you hear a message that can help you. I hope what you've heard today has helped you. I want to pray for you today that this can be the beginning of a new way for you. Father, I pray for those who've heard this message. May it give them life and strength and courage. And I pray that they would find help and healing in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you for being with us. We're glad you're with us. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.